Hey, it's Pastor. I am so excited you could join us uh, as we hear and listen to the Word of God. And I'm always hoping and praying that He's going to specifically guide your life and give you the hope and the peace that you cannot give to yourself. He is the power every time He promises to work through this Word. If He has worked in your life, we want to hear about it. Please email us, let us in, encourage us uh, by emailing office.amazinglove at gmail.com. Also, if you'd like to support this ministry, make messages like this ongoing, uh, go to our giving tab online or download the app. Go to the app store and search Amazing Love Luther. But now, may you continue to grasp how wide, high, and deep and long is the love of Christ in this for you. Thank you. popular almost everyone had a pair of these and it is rollerblades right you need to know if you've still held on uh, to the 90s uh, fads that there was a higher day there was a higher day I mean everyone had a pair what these remind me of is my junior year of high school when I was in Lake Mills Wisconsin and we had a beautiful Saturday kind of what we just had yesterday and um, I was going to go rollerblading as is my form of entertainment and for me, it was at the height of my athletic prowess. That's not saying much. It's like looking at a group of manatees and saying, that one looks athletic. Anyway. Um, and so because of my non-athletic prowess, um, I was wobbly and shaky. And the real problem is I would know how to go, but I wouldn't know how to stop. Right? So I could get up to speed, but then what? Well, on this day, I was feeling quite brave. And there was one hill in Lake Mills, Wisconsin, one of the bigger hills. And I looked down it and I said... Today's the day. It's a foolish idea. So I go for it. And at first, it's kind of fun. You pick up a little bit of speed, and you're like, wow, it's a good day to be out. This is kind of nice. And then you pick up a little more speed. It's like, whoa, this is exhilarating. Wind in my hair. Look at everything go. And then you pick up too much speed. Has your body ever gone off like a siren, you know, in your head, and, and, and there's flashing lights, and there's alarms, and, and it's just saying, danger, danger, this isn't going to end well. That was the speed I was at, and I didn't know how to stop. So I jumped to the sidewalk. That didn't help. It's very bumpy on the sidewalk. So I jumped to the grass, and the grass was helping, but it's also very bumpy, and where it ends is me doing a non-very graceful baller, ballerina pirouette and landing on my bottom in the front yard of someone's house that I don't know. And at that moment, because I was happy I didn't break anything, happy my limbs still worked, I got up and I went like this. And I took a bow. Because this is what I know, that somebody always 
sees. See, what I know is that somewhere in that street was a grandma in the kitchen watching out her front window, and she saw this ridiculous young man who is not coordinated at all almost break every bone in his body, but somehow survive on the front yard. What I know is that there was a kid somewhere in the backyard. There was a man working on his car. There was someone, maybe the front yard that I was in, that saw this ridiculous thing. And this is life, isn't it? Unfortunately, somebody always sees, right? Sometimes it works out well. Like uh, I saw Sing and, you know, there was this, this pig. Somebody saw her, right? Sometimes it doesn't work out so well. Like kids, I don't know if you ever had this moment where you thought like mom was in the other room or mom couldn't hear, but she was right there and she heard everything. You been there? And, and this matters too in, in what you do good to know that someone sees and also in what you do bad, sometimes you've had a reckoning. That's what I want to talk to you about today. And I want to put a spiritual lens on it. And I want to call that someone God. And I don't know experience with God, but, but I do believe God is real and that God is here. And that he's actually good. You know, it reminds me of this Old Testament story of Abraham, Sarah, and Hagar. Can, can I tell you a little bit about this story? So, Abraham was promised a son. The son was not coming, uh, at least through his wife. So he had this brilliant idea to sleep with the maidservant Hagar. It's actually Sarah's idea, but Abraham went with it. Now, tangent lesson, God's will is never for you to sin to accomplish his will. It never has a part of it. But but that's what they did. And so uh, Abraham slept with Hagar. She got pregnant. And this led to Sarah being very jealous. Surprise, surprise. Um, Sarah then treated her very, very poorly to the extent that she had to leave from that house. She said, this is too abusive. This is too bad. I'm going to run away. But then something happened as she ran away. As you read the account, this is the verse that really strikes with me. It says, the angel of the Lord found Hagar. Now, it wasn't that she was missing before and now he found. It just to identify that the angel of the Lord knew exactly where she was and exactly why she was there. And the angel of the Lord assured her, you will be blessed. See, I'm still going to bless you through this child. I'm going to make him a great nation. And so you should return. It's going to be okay. I see what is going on. After this experience, Hagar said um, and gave the Lord a name. This is the name uh, that he gave, she gave him. She gave this name to the Lord who spoke to her. You are the God who sees me. And that's the same God we've come to celebrate today. The same God who I believe is here. Now, if you're just joining us, if you don't consider yourself a Christian, again, you are so welcome to be here. But today we invite you in to understand that those feelings of God you might have had inside of you are real. That there is something greater than yourself. And this God loves you in a ridiculous, crazy, amazing way, loves you. That's what we're going to consider. So the third or uh, fourth week of Esther, um, we're going to get into it. Um, And as we get into our series on Esther, I need to catch you up a little bit. Um, Previously in the story, Mordecai had foiled an assassination plot. There were two eunuchs who wanted to, again, uh, assassinate King Xerxes. Mordecai heard about it, told Esther, and the assassination uh, plan was foiled. Um, because of this, uh, we're going to see that, that Mordecai finally gets reward. He didn't get rewarded then, but we're going to see how he gets rewarded now as we turn to Esther chapter 6. And that's what we're going to learn from today, okay? So let's get into it. It's a long story, but I invite you to follow along here. 
It says, that night, the king could not sleep, so he ordered the book of the Chronicles, the record of his reign, to be brought in and read to him. It was found recorded there that Mordecai had exposed Bigthana and Teresh, two of the king's officers who guarded the doorway, who had conspired to assassinate King Xerxes. Well, what honor and recognition has Mordecai received for this, the king asked. Nothing has been done for him, his attendants answered. The king said, who is in the court? Now Haman had just entered the outer court of the palace to speak to the king about impaling Mordecai on the pole he had set up for him. During this time, okay, so if you haven't been with the story, Haman hates Mordecai so much because he wouldn't bow down to him that now he's taken his hate to another level. He doesn't just want to kill Mordecai or his people, but he built a 75-foot pole uh, that's seven and a half stories that the custom then in Persia was to impale people on, and he wanted to put him on top of that. Just make a display of his death. So that's what he was thinking to do to Mordecai, and then look what happens. His attendants answered, Haman is standing in the court. Bring him in, the king ordered. When Haman entered, the king asked him, what should be done for the man the king delights to honor? Well, now Haman thought to himself, who is there that the king would rather honor than me? (laughs) So he answered the king, for the man the king delights to honor, have them bring a royal robe the king has worn, and a horse the king has ridden, one with the royal crest placed on its head. Then let the robe and horse be entrusted to the one of the king's most noble princes. Let them robe the man the king delights to honor and lead him on the horse through the city streets, proclaiming him, this is what is done for the man the king delights to honor. Go at once, the king commanded Haman. Get the robe and the horse and do just as you have suggested for... Now he's thinking, Haman, I'm big stuff. It's for me, right? For... Can you say that word? Mordecai, this is a flip of the story, friends. Not what he expected. For Mordecai the Jew and and Haman's just dying inside, who sits at the king's gate, do not neglect anything you have recommended. So Haman got the robe and the horse. He rode Mordecai and led him on horseback through the city streets, proclaiming, he was the one proclaiming, this is what is done for the man the king delights to honor. One Bible commentator said those words were like gravel in his mouth because this is the man he hated who now he has to honor because there is a God who sees. Could you turn to the person next to you and say, he sees you, he sees you, he sees you. He sees you. What we're going to learn today then, if it's true that he sees us, is how to handle our bad times, how to serve the Lord, and ways that he powerfully sees us and can help us. Let's continue. This past week, it was my privilege of mine to go to a conference. It's called the Global Leadership Summit. Um, Has anyone ever been to it, heard of it? Okay, a few people... And they have just amazing speakers. One of them um, was this lady. Uh, her name is Immaculate Ilbegiza. And she was in Rwanda in 1994, where there was a government coup. And when um, the government was actually saying, because um, one president had died, that you should mount up, get arms, and kill everyone of the Tutsi tribe. Go to every house, kill man, woman, and, and child, and just wipe them out. Genocide to the largest degree. It was during this time that her father told her to go to a house of a Protestant pastor of another tribe. And she said she followed only out of obedience. 
But she went there, and because uh, of this pastor and because of God, she was spared. Now, the major point that we learned from her and why she was speaking that day was to learn about forgiveness. Because after they murdered her family, she said she would get so angry that she would sweat. She would get so angry that she was sick to her stomach and her whole body was fatigued. That is how angry she was. She had visions of being her own warrior to retaliate over what had been done to the family. She recounts how when she was praying the Lord's Prayer, she grew up Catholic. For a while, she would skip over that middle part. Because you know what the middle part says? Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Over and over she'd pray, skipping that middle part. Until one day, she prayed the middle part. Felt the nudge. The Lord enabled her to forgive. She was able to forgive those who in a horrible way had murdered her family. She recounts her ability to go into the prison and where the murderers were, they would cover their faces in shame and yet she only had forgiveness to offer them. And if she can forgive that, what can't we forgive? If she can forgive those who murdered her family, what right do we have to say, I will never forgive that person, this person, or this person? Takes every excuse away. But though that's a valid point, that's not the reason I tell you the story. I tell you the story because when she went to the pastor's house, uh, she was ushered into a three-by-four bathroom, and that would be her hiding spot. And as she was about to go out of the bathroom, because this was her hiding spot, and tell the man, this is too extreme, I can't stay in here, find another place, it was then that he ushered in seven other women to this three-by-four bathroom hiding spot. And the principle that she relayed to everyone is this, that if you think it's bad, it can get worse. She lived there for 91 days with seven other women in a three-by-four bathroom. That's the principle we need to explore from the book of Esther. Because here's what's going on. Mordecai has it bad. Okay, his people are going to be annihilated. He is hated by Haman. But what he doesn't know is what Haman was doing beyond the already bad situation he is in. Look at what it says in verse 4. It says, Now Haman had just entered the outer court of the palace to speak to the king about impaling Mordecai on the pole he had set up for him. Mordecai had just bitterly wept. Mordecai was wailing and wearing sackcloth. What he doesn't know is it could get worse. He could be impaled on a pole that is seven and a half stories tall. It can always get worse. Or look at Haman. Haman's not having a good day. That's putting it lightly. In fact, we saw it all turn. We kind of laughed at this passage. Um, I'll put it up here. It says, Get the robe and the horses and do just as you have suggested for Mordecai. I have to honor the one I hate. (laughs) And and the Bible actually says, you should read the Bible. It's pretty good. Uh, Anyway, the Bible actually says that he pouted to his wife. He went home and he just said to Zeresh, his wife, like, Oh, my day was so bad. You wouldn't believe what I had to do. You know, and he's just like a child. What Haman doesn't know is that though he had a bad day, he's about to be ushered into the second banquet that Esther has, and he is about to be judged and found wanting. It's going to get worse for Haman. So friends, 
We're here to talk about life. What about your lives? Have you ever experienced the principle that though it was bad, it can actually get worse? Has your life ever mirrored this movie? One of my least favorite movies, not because it's not funny, but because it's cringeworthy on how bad it gets. It goes from misunderstanding to misunderstanding to the cat messing up the dress, right? I mean, it's just, it's an awful day. It reminds me of what speakers said at the, the summit. They said, you think that sometimes you've hit the basement, but you don't know there is a sub-basement, and you don't know under the sub-basement opens up to an abyss, because that is just the way life goes sometimes, right? We understand that though it is bad, it can actually get worse. And what do we do then? You know, I think we're tempted to handle bad situations with bad activities. I think it is so hard. It's kind of like, let's say the bad was, um, was here, a pile of laundry. And you might say, that's a big pile of laundry. It can never get worse. It can never get bigger. Can a pile of laundry get worse and bigger? All the time. But what we want to learn and not do is to make a worst situation worse because you can. Now, what does this mean? It, it means that sometimes we're tempted, okay, they made us feel bad, so I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to retaliate and make them feel bad, exchange blow for blow. Sometimes we can be on such an emotional low level and we think it can't get any better, but it, or any worse, but it can if we don't turn to the Lord. If you don't turn to the Lord and the hope that he offers and the word that's available and prayer that is powerful, it can actually get much worse than the emotions you feel right now. If you don't cope in healthy ways, but, but think that coping in, in sinful ways uh, is going to help the situation, you're actually adding dirty laundry on already a big pile. But what's very hard, what's very hard is that I don't think any of us handle our worst days flawlessly. Can I be real? If you saw me on my worst day, I probably would not be a shining light for Jesus. Right? And so today is just a day to repent and say, man, I don't want to handle it that way anymore. Lord, I'm sorry that instead of rising above, I've sunk to the same level as my emotions. I've sunk to the same level of the people who have hurt me. And Lord, this is sin and I want to be done. Is there anything in you that says that? Let's repent of that and let's leave it here. And let's learn from from Mordecai. See, see, Mordecai has this opportunity with Haman to, to basically say, while he's on the horse, hey, bud, what goes around comes around, doesn't it? Huh, huh, huh. Yeah. You're going to get yours. But Scripture records none of this kind of activity. In fact, I think that for, for Mordecai, it's just a day of validation that following the Lord is good, that doing the right thing is right. Remember how Mordecai got here. He got here for serving the Lord. He would not bow his knee to Haman because his knee was reserved for God Almighty. And today, Mordecai's righteousness shines. And he proves to us this passage. There's a passage for those who commit to the Lord in any situation, even though it's hard. It says, commit your way to the Lord, trust in him, and he will do this. He will make your righteous reward shine like the dawn on a horse in the king's robe. I don't know if that's really going to happen. But your vindication, like the noonday sun, you will not even have to defend your case because the Lord will defend it someday or other for you. 
That's what Mordecai learned. That the Lord sees. And so there's a greater principle. This one, when life is at its worst, hope is not lost. You think that, that there can be no good. You think that it can never get better. It is not lost. That's the story of Christianity. They're the people of God escaping from Egypt and Pharaoh mounted an army and they were untrained people. They were not soldiers. They were not an army and they were trapped between that army and a Red Sea. And you know what the Lord does? He opens the Red Sea so they can walk right through. There was Joseph who was in jail for for doing nothing wrong. He was a righteous dude. And, And you know what the Lord does? He gets him out of jail. And then then there was the Midianites attacking uh, the Israelites, and there were over 100,000, but there was a man named Gideon who took just 300 people. And the Lord won the day over hundreds of thousands of Midianites. That's incredible. That's what the Lord does. See, see, this is what I believe. You might think that, that your life is hopeless. You might even think that you are a lost cause, that there's too much shame and there's too much guilt. But God sees you. And he's orchestrated the day that you would meet him. And Jesus came into the mix. And what Jesus won was hope. Jesus, through his death on the cross, when he said it is finished, he might have well said, hope is secured once and for all for any who look to me. And it's unshakable, it's untouchable. All who hope in me will never be hopeless. They will see the culmination of their hope someday. And that is ours, isn't it? I don't know if it's a good time or a bad time for you, but I do know, friend in Christ, you got hope. And no one can touch it. Your enemies can't get in the way of it. And you yourself are worthy of hope, for God has great plans for you. He has great plans for you. So if God who sees can help us when it's bad, can can he also do something when things are good? This is what I want to talk to you about now. Um, And I want to know, have you ever received a reward uh, for work that you have done? Raise your hand if you ever received any kind of reward for work that you have done. And and maybe this was a promotion. uh, Maybe this was a trip. Maybe this was commission. Um, You know, for me, I'll never forget. And some might wonder why I never take a call from this place. I don't take a call because the people here are too good. I know what I got. I'm I'm not leaving good people. No way. You know, because when, when, I, when I bought a house, I, I got a snowblower. And every time I look at that snowblower from, from the congregation, I feel like a king. I, I hearken back to my days in Beaverdam, Wisconsin, where we didn't even have like a legit shovel. We had a shovel we bought in El Paso, Texas from Toys R Us that was not meant to shovel snow. And that was what I had was this back-breaking plastic way deeper than it should have been shovel. And now I got a, a snowblower? I mean, I've arrived. Goodness gracious. Have you ever received reward? What I love is that here, Mordecai is receiving the reward. Haman has all of these ideas, and and God is going to say, yeah, I saw, I saw. And and so what we learn, what we learn is that God is not unjust. He will not forget your work and the love you have shown him as you have helped his people and continue to help him. He's not unjust with Mordecai who, out of love for his nation, uh, pleaded to Esther. This is not maybe my life verse, but this is my verse for serving Jesus, and it can be yours too. If you want a serving Jesus verse, like, oh, amazing love wants me to volunteer, or, or oh, am I, is what I'm doing really worthwhile? This is your verse. 
Because even though a pastor may not thank you, even though I should, but thank you, God had sought everything that you did. And none of your activity is wasted when dedicated to the Lord. This is yours if you serve the Lord for a while in the church and wonder if you ever made a difference. You did. This is yours right now as you serve. And on those days when service means sacrifice, and on those days when service isn't easy, and on those days when in serving you want to give up, this is yours. He saw everything. And so the God who sees, he delights to give reward. Mordecai rode the horse. Mordecai had this announcement from Haman. Mordecai got his reward. You know, every now and then, our reward comes right away. Sometimes when you follow God's word and and you apply it to relationships, your reward is a better relationship. When you apply his rules to children, your reward is better children. When you apply it to serving him, your reward sometimes is praise. But you know, I want to trade immediate rewards for someday rewards. And Jesus talks about this. See, Mordecai got an immediate reward. But, but I believe and I hold out for a someday reward. Jesus talked about a someday reward in helping the needy. In helping the needy, uh, here, here was a passage. Let me get to it. It said, So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. It kind of reminds me, who would you rather have your reward from? From people or from your heavenly Father? Who would, you, who would Mordecai rather have his reward from? From King Xerxes or King Jesus? Do you know what motivates me sometimes is is I don't even want to see what my reward is now. I just want to get there someday and receive what he saw and tell me it was worth it. See, there's this parable about someone who was working for the Lord and the Lord says, "Uh, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. And that correlates this idea of coming reward. It correlates this idea that nothing is wasted in service to the Lord, even if you don't get that reward now. And and what I would tell you is is to do this then, is to seek the someday reward. Seek the someday reward. And it doesn't mean I'm trading in my snowblower, because I still like that, but I'm I'm still waiting for that someday reward, right? And when there's a someday reward involved, it means that when I experience a setback, I can get back up. When I don't see what the Lord is doing, even though I poured into something, I can get back up. When when the devil tells me it's not worth it, I can tell him, devil, get back. It is worth it. I can give myself fully to the work of the Lord, knowing it is not in vain. I got a someday reward, devil. Get back. This is the God who sees, who will and delights to reward his people. Yes, with eternal life that was won all through Jesus, but also with a recognition of what he saw you do cooperating with the spirit that is inside of you. I believe it, friends. But one final thought, and then we'll be done. One final thought is the timing of God. The timing of God. 
and the God who sees the situation and when he chose to act. If you go back to our lesson, I invite you to open your worship folder. And I want you to read the first two words with me that are found in that worship folder. So it's Esther, verse 1. Let's just read those first two words. It says, That night. That night speaks about intentionality. That night speaks about timing. That night speaks about the activity of God doing something that Mordecai couldn't even do. Why is it that King Xerxes woke up that night? Why is it that he read from that part of the record of history? Why is it because the Lord who sees stepped in? And he knew just when to step in, and he knew just what to do that night. You know, it reminds me of one final speaker I heard of the Global Leadership Summit. Uh, His name uh, was Gary Haugen. And let me explain what he does. He works for the um, International Justice Mission. And there are many people in bondage and slavery. He says that today, 47 million people are in bondage and slavery throughout our world. Maybe not America, but throughout our world. You may know that there is child sex slavery. This is horrible. And he works to fight it, to go against it. He told a story in how Cambodia, if you go back to the early 2000s, uh, child sex slavery was rampant. Many people went there just for that. But because of the Christian church, because of Christians who went into those uh, areas and and, and brought out young young girls and, and brought out all those who were subjected to that, because of that, the sex slavery in Cambodia is actually collapsing. And he said it's because of what God is doing through his church. Not only is the sex slavery collapsing, but also the church of God is rising. And what he reminded us that I get to remind you is that when we have Jesus on our side, we let Jesus fight our battles. And that having Jesus with us, we actually get to go on the offensive. Sometimes we live as Christians thinking we're on the defense. There's so much evil. The the, the devil wants to attack and there's so many things getting in my way. But, But what he proves is that Jesus with us is going offense against those battles, against the devil, driving them back. And so what I see through that story, through my own story, is this. The God who sees you knows when to step in and when to fight for you. It wasn't coincidence that that night King Xerxes woke up and read. He knows exactly when to step in. It wasn't coincidence that Mordecai got honored and was set above and that Esther was heard. No, God was fighting. This is the story of Mordecai. This is the story of what happened in Cambodia. This is the story of our lives. I wish I could tell you when God is going to step in. I can't. But I know he will. I wish I could tell you all the ways that he is fighting for you right now. I can't. But I know he does. He's got angels. The Spirit. May you see the comforting reality that the God who sees you is powerful for you and step in when needed. Let me pray for us. We pray. Heavenly Father, I do thank you that I've never been alone because you've promised never to leave or forsake me. But Lord, I do ask that you would continue to show me your power. I ask that you'd continue to fight for your church. 
that while the seed is planting and, and, and the sower is resting, you're the one who's making it grow. I ask that all the adversities we face would be reframed today, that we would feel that we can go on the offensive through the Spirit of God, that we will stand above, that we will stand in the victory circle. In the meantime, I want to store up as many someday rewards and and help this family to store up so many someday rewards when we hear your voice, well done, good and faithful servant. But until that time, use us, Lord. Use us. We know you see us. Amen.